0: It was interesting because I've, I've spent 20 years in the food industry um, doing a lot of traveling. Um, I put well over a million flight miles on. Um, and as I was flying from Minneapolis to Calgary, there was this um, apprehension that was kind of hanging over me. And so I started asking my question, is, is what am I fearful of? Um, and I had to admit I didn't want to go. Um, as I mentioned, travel's been a normal part of my life for a long time. And having spent the last year sort of locked down at home, I was kind of enjoying spending time with my wife and kids. And this idea of going back to normal was not something that seemed great. Um, I, I didn't want to deal with all the COVID testing I had to go through. I didn't want to go to a client site alone. Normally, we do this in groups. Um, there was a possibility I wasn't going to get across the Canadian border. So there was a little apprehension. What's going to happen if I'm stuck, quarantined in a foreign country by myself? Um, and, and as I as I kind of processed and thought through this, I, you know, the reality came in as none of this is anything to worry about. And so to change my thought process, I started asking myself, so so what should we be afraid of in life? And and really, that answer is, um, I think in the Bible we find that that it's God. That's who we should fear. And there's actually, from, from my study here, there's really a couple of different ways that we should fear God. One is, is to be, you know, in, in dread, truly in fear of him. Um, this is first mentioned in Genesis three ten, where Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden. Um, and, and Adam told God when he heard the voice, he says, I was afraid because I was naked. You know, Adam had this, this he dreaded this confrontation with God because of errors, because of sin that he had had in his life. And, and he's not the only person that experienced um, this kind of fear, being afraid of God. We can see it in Moses, uh, Balaam, Joshua, Ezekiel, um, the disciples in Matthew 17, 6. Um, we also see that Paul um, had had some fear of God um, when he was struck down on the road to Damascus. So I, I think in this sense, uh, many kind of mistakenly believe we have nothing to fear from God because Jesus is this gentle and meek and mild person um, but the reality is, is that while God's compassionate, when we are not in accordance to his will, we should be fearful of his judgment. The other type of fear that that I thought of is what, what I would almost call kind of an astonished devotion. And I think this is what we're more comfortable with. Um, Philippians 2.12 tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Um, 1 Peter 1.17 says, past the time of your sojourning sojourning here in fear. Um, so this is where we have kind of this respect or this fear of God where we reverence him, we cherish him. And so as I, I thought through this, um, as, as I continued down this path, I realized that I was feeling way more comfortable sitting on the airplane and things were kind of um, sort of changing their course for me. And, and so it brought me to this next question is, is why do we fear God? And there's really three things. I, I, I There obviously could be more. But I kind of broke it down into these three categories. We should we should fear God because of who he is. Um, you know, the Bible's filled with really descriptions of God. And I, I chose Psalm 89, 6 and 7 here. He says, for who in the heaven can be compared like unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. You know, in this life, we take... Um, we take the very best things. We honor them, whether it's an athlete or uh, whatever it might be. We, we, we honor those things. And, you know, in, in the Old Testament time, uh, the God of Israel um, was way above all the other gods of the land. And so they had this reverence for him. And so the question is, is do we reverence God that way today? Um, we should also fear God because of what he's done. Um, you know, as, as we think about this Easter season, he he's sent his son. He died for us while we were sinners. And there is really nothing um, that I can think of or even contemplate that even holds a candle and um, doesn't make me amazed when I think about that great sacrifice. But we should also fear God. I think the third point here is fear him because of what he is doing today. Um, you know, history in the Bible tells us what's God, what God has done in the past. Um, and Psalm 86, 5 says this, come and see the works of God. He is terrible or he is awesome in his doing toward the children of men. You know, forgiveness is something that's ongoing with God. He, he loves us. He cherishes us as his children. And I think all of us could probably go to things that have happened in the past week or weeks where God has been there and he's shown up in our lives. And so do we reverence him? Do we fear him because of that? And when we have this proper fear, both being afraid um, in a case of sin or being in reverence or awe of him, it should lead us to life of submission. But to the world, um, this this is foolishness. First um, Corinthians 1:19, Paul said this, he said, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, the power of God. So I thought since today is April Fool's Day, maybe we'd focus on that just for a moment. Um, this foolishness, the thing the people of the world really don't look at what we do. I mean, the idea of spending an hour a day in prayer is crazy. I mean, I've got coworkers that would say that, Like, mean, why would you do this? That's foolish, and so I, I thought about this for a moment, is there were two people that came to mind um, for, for giving them an example of, of them being foolish in the eyes of the world, and one of them is Patrick. We just came from St. Patrick's Day, so I'll, I'll use him as one example. I don't know how many of you know the true story of him, but he was born in 385, to a Christian family. His life seemed to be great. Everything was well. He was living in relative ease and comfort in Britain. And then he was captured as a teenager, taken away to Ireland, held as a slave. And it was during that time that he became um, a child of God. Um, He was able to escape six years later and go back home. And he was there only a few years when he had a vision or a dream that called him back. He dreamed of someone bringing letters from Ireland. And as he read them, they were calling him to come back and preach the gospel. And so he, acting on that vision, he tried to go back, and it took well over 20 years for the church to be able to allow him to do that. And during that time, what little we have of history, people thought him crazy. They thought him foolish, and yet he went back and was willing to serve God, and he died in Ireland um, in there. And one of the hymns that was written many years later that kind of depicts a sort of written about his life is, is one of my favorites, Be Thou thy like Vision. And one of the verses says this, Be thou my breastplate, plate my sword in the fight, be thou my armor, and be thou my might. Thou my soul shelter, and thou my high tower, raise thou me heavenward, power my power. So he was willing to worship God, and he's willing to give his life, he was, no matter what the cost was, because he loved God. And again, while that seemed foolish in this life, it was Obviously, the best thing to happen because of what happened in Ireland after that. Um, the second example is John Harper um, from the Titanic. Again, I don't know how many of you know this story. I didn't until a couple of years ago. Um, we were down at, in Branson at the Titanic Museum, and as we went in, they gave us a ticket. And we were supposed to look at the ticket and we saw who we were, who the passenger was, and we got to the other end, we were supposed to decide if we lived or died. and. I remember looking at my ticket. My kid said, well, Dad, who do you have? And I said, well, I can tell you I won't make it through. I'm a preacher. The preacher always goes down to the ship. But I didn't, I didn't know who John Harper was, and I looked him up later. And um, he was a solid Christian. He, he lived his life. Um, but what's really amazing was that night that the Titanic sailed and was going to sink, he, he was a widower. And he took his daughter, his six-year-old daughter, and he put her in the lifeboat. And what's amazing is he, being a single parent, probably could have got in that lifeboat, and he didn't. John Harper put his daughter towards safety, or what he thought was safety, and he turned around and went back to the boat. Again, foolishness in the eyes of the world. Who wouldn't save their life from a sinking ship? And yet, what did he do? He went back into the fray. Um, He gave his, you know, a counselor that he gave his life preserver to someone who said they weren't saved. He said, here, you need this more than me. And to one young man that John was washed to in the ocean as he was dying— He asked him to be saved, and the guy rejected it, and a few minutes later, John was washed back to him by a wave, and the young man turned his life to Christ, and the interesting thing that night of the 1,528 people that went into the water, only six were saved, and one of them was the young man who gave that testimony of John witnessing to him as he died, so as we think about that, I know those are two older examples, but um Whether we want to admit it or not, we're living in a world that's like the Titanic. It's sinking. And so the question today for for you to consider is, is, do we fear God like he wants to be feared? And if so, what is it that God's asking us to do with our lives? Is it just to meet and pray? That's a good thing. And maybe that's where our calling is. But is he convicting us to make other changes? Maybe it's in the things we do. Maybe it's in who we witness to. Maybe it's in willing to step out. I think it's going to be different for all of us. But the, but the real reality is, is, I think we need to ask ourselves this question. Are we willing to be like John Harper understanding the lateness of the hour and the need for the gospel to be preached? And are we also like Patrick, and we're truly willing to give our life for the gospel so that it, that it can be told unto the lost? Those two men from secular history would be considered fools. And yet, they really understood how to have a true fear of a majestic God, and they lived their lives accordingly. And so I hope all of us will do the same.